It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here at Colorado Springs. And I'm so excited that you are tuning in. With me, as always, here in the studio, Mike Mallinger. Mike, so good to have you back. It's good to be back, John. Well, for those of you listening, this is our roundtable format of Engage in Truth. On Saturdays, we get to spend time talking about key issues, not only here in Colorado Springs, but in our state, around the country, even around the world. And a few weeks back, we had a very special guest in the studio, Congressman Louis Gohmert. Actually, he was calling in from Washington, D.C., and we spoke on a number of issues with him. And one of the topics that came up was the American education system. Interestingly, Bill Bennett on another station discussed this issue. He was also very passionate about this subject. So we thought, let's continue in that same vein. Let's continue talking about this because this is a key issue in America that we as parents, as concerned citizens, share a common burden. And and, and we like to talk about this. Maybe we just don't know what's going on. So we want to bring some of the issues to your attention today as we discuss the American education system. But before we do that, let, let's go back for just a moment. I think we need a, a recap on our history because that's where we often get skewed. We lose our moorings. We lose our foundation. Don't really understand how we got to where we're at today. So let's just look at the history for a moment. I, I think it's a, one of those things that we should be excited about when we say that we are one nation under God, that the United States of America was once proud to be a nation that was under God. In fact, if we look at our history, on April 17th of 1952, a bill passed designating an annual national day of prayer, and that was followed by adding under God to the Pledge of Allegiance in 1954. And then the U.S. motto was adopted in 1956, In God We Trust. So over a period of just four years, we adopted an annual national day of prayer, Uh, added under God to the Pledge of Allegiance, and in God we trust, that became our U.S. motto. And so we seem to be uh, proud of this identifying factor. In fact, even Eisenhower said that adding under God to the Pledge of Allegiance was an identifying factor for these United States, that it captured our character, our identity. And, And indeed, America is one nation under God. Did you know that virtually every one of the 55 writers and signers, there were 39 signers of the United States Constitution, they were members of various denominations. And in fact, 29 were Anglicans, 16 and 18 of them were Calvinists, two were Methodists, two Lutherans, two were Roman Catholic, one lapsed Quaker, and sometimes Anglican, and only one open deist. So they weren't trying to remove faith from America. Rather, they were trying to preserve it. And it's America's faith that's ultimately made us great as a nation. Our republic is scripturally based. If you go to Exodus chapter 18, verse 21, and Deuteronomy 17, 14 to 20, you'll see an establishment there by God. Is a, I believe that he spoke through Jethro even to Moses in this establishing of a republic. 
And it's this very concept of a nation under God that has established this lasting democracy. Many people think that those words under God were added to the pledge because of the Red Scare or used only because, well, it paid homage to Abraham Lincoln, perhaps, at the Gettysburg Address. That's a popular belief, if you will, because perhaps it's the ignorance of our understanding of history. Because if we look back, we'll see that under God dates all the way back to the 13th century when Henry Bracton, who is known as the father of modern law, wrote that leaders were to be sub deo et lege, which means under God and law. And that was later used in a conversation between Sir Edward Cokes and King James in 1620, when the king had to be reminded of that very principle that leaders must be accountable to a higher authority or nations will fall back into tyranny where justice cannot prevail. So that dialogue interestingly enough, is etched on the door of the Supreme Court. And 21 of the founding fathers used that term, along with many poets and historians, that we were a nation under God, that we are sub deo et lege. Even Woodrow Wilson said, a nation which does not remember what it was yesterday does not know what it is today, nor what it is trying to do. And so we have these four years of a nation identifying with its roots that we are one nation under God. However, in 1962, a movement began that led the cultural war we face today, and it started with prayer being removed from schools. Here's what happened. Voluntary prayer was forbidden. Inclusion of Scripture was terminated. Classes on religion were halted. The Bible was ordered out of school libraries Ten Commandment displays were removed, religious artwork was covered, and religious content in student papers or speeches became forbidden. The Bible was ultimately forbidden to bring in the classroom. Yeah, that's right, John. And up to that point, some of the top five complaints from teachers was talking, chewing gum, making noise, running in the halls, and (laughs) talking out of turn and getting out of line. And, And now to present time... I mean, you have, they're talking about rape, robbery, assault, burglary, and arson in school. Mm. Our schools now have metal detectors to get into the school. Some schools even have armed guards. Uh. Most schools have patrols that are radio, you know, they talk to each other on radios. And it's really out of hand. So, John, you're the senior pastor at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley, and you have five children that attended or still attend public schools. Tell us the involvement that you and your wife have to keep keep your children from fa- the failings of the public schools. A recent study from the Southern Baptist Council on Family says, showed that 80% of children, mm. by the time they graduate and get to college, will mm. leave the church. Yes. Yeah, walk away from their faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, you know, ultimately what you're asking me, then how do we keep them grounded? Um, I, and I appreciate that question, Mike, because really, I, I think the biggest issue here is that we as parents often abdicate our roles and responsibilities to the culture around us. In fact, we'll do that even in the church. We we may even take our children to Sunday school, but not be very involved. We may, uh, you know, we want to drop them off at school and trust that they're getting the very best education, but really we're not that involved. We are so busy as parents, and I, I so this is not to, a rebuke to parents, but rather to, to draw attention to this very ki- cri- critical key fact 
that we have been given an unbelievable opportunity, the role and responsibility, the privilege to be a parent falls in line with Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Psalm 78, that we talk about the things of God as we walk along the road, as we lie down, as we get up. And, you know, Mike, I found that, you know, people are always looking for that magic ingredient, if you will. How do you keep your kids grounded when every one of them have different personalities? And we know, those of us, everyone here in this room know that every one of our children are born with unique, different personalities and need education that fits their their type, how they hear, how they respond, how they grow and I, I find it interesting that if we really look at some of the distinguishing factors, I read in the Harvard Business Review that if a, they were looking for what distinguishes an honor roll student from non-honor roll students, and one of the key factors was a, a family that ate together three to four nights out of the week. That was one of the key ingredients for a, a differentiating honor roll from non-honor roll, that here if we could just eat together as a family – then you're more involved with your children's life. I mean, it's amazing how we've gotten back to some of the basics here, things that should just be automatic and have somehow become lack uh, nothing but automatic in our culture today. It seems like we have to really go out of our way to spend time with one another. So I'd say for us, it's just been being intentional, being involved, being active in our school system, being active in our children's lives, showing them that we care, that we're cheerleaders for them, and we really do care about what they're learning. Yeah, that's right. And schools now have pushed American history out of out of the classroom. Our our, our future leaders mm. don't even know where we came from. And Woodrow Wilson said, "A nation which does not remember what it was yesterday does not know what it is today, mm-hmm. nor what it is trying to do." That's right. So yeah, I, I think that lack of of knowledge of our history, our roots is definitely a key issue, uh, especially the lack of understanding of Christian history, that Christians have played such a vital role in America's founding and its operations in our judicial system, in our governance. Uh, we often think of it as hermetically sealed, like there's uh, we, we pull out our Bible over here, and that's sort of its own entity and identity. And over here is is real history and everything else that's gone on, and we don't realize how they really are intertwined that the Bible was such a fundamental piece of even America's foundation. If you go back to the New England primer, for example, I think as we just talk about education in America, we look back to 1687, we will see that the original text of the New England primer was completely based out of Scripture. So this is the first curriculum in America that was designed with the Bible as its guide. And everything in it was designed to equip us to not only understand how to read and write, mathematics and so forth, but all based on Scripture so that we could hold government accountable to what the Scripture was teaching us. So so now we were empowered as a people because now we could read and write, read the Bible, understand the Bible, and know our rights as people. That's right. And today, the very mention of prayer or Bible in our school sends people over the edge. And we've all heard about the coach that's been sued for having mm-hmm. team prayer. Uh, it, it, it's really out of hand, and uh, they're not allowed to pray, have Bible studies in school, yet there's classes we hear about the Muslim call to prayer. Mm-hmm. They're learning that in school, yet we can't have a Bible or a prayer s- session in our public schools. Uh, they're learning about the five pillars of Islam. 
They've installed foot washing stations in schools and universities for Muslim students. Uh, you know, where does it end? Well, it even gets worse. Now our state of Colorado wants to enact new sex ed programs that includes LGBTQ teachings. Are our schools becoming progressive indoctrination centers for our children of America today? You know, I, I, this is this is a huge discussion. We probably could spend several weeks just talking about this. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we, as parents, have a uh, are, should be alarmed uh, that, that really we see a, a social agenda moving through schools. And and look, we know that there are a lot of teachers out there. You ask one way we stay uh, involved. We uh, get to know our teachers. We get to know our principals. So as they're in public school, we're involved. We're working with the PTOs. We're getting to know our teachers. And we have a lot of Christians that are actually serving even in public school systems. But we can't bury our head in the sand to the fact that there is an agenda that is moving across this country. It always seems to start in California or or maybe on the East Coast somewhere and find its way to our state. And as we have a lot of Californians moving here, yours truly included, I'm, I'm a Californian that had relocated to Colorado many, many years ago. I feel like I'm almost a Colorado native, but yeah, I, I'll add myself into that category lest I, I find that I'm, you know, being singled out for saying, hey, you're pointing fingers at California. I, I am a Californian, but I'm a Colorado, and then ultimately I'm a, a proud American, a Christian American. But th- there are some key issues here going on that we see an agenda, and I, I think that as parents, we have to be involved. We have got to know what our children are learning and take a stand when these things do not align with what we know to be truth from the scripture, we are told in Joshua chapter 2, verse 10, that we would see a generation that would love the ways of the Lord, and the very next generation would fall away. That doesn't happen without the, uh, recognizing the fact that we are so easily caught up in other things, lose sight of the importance, the the instruction from Almighty God of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Psalm 78, that generations not yet born know the Lord, that were intentional in this area. And when we look at Malachi chapter 2 verse 15, God tells us that he wants godly children from our union. That, that, that means we can't just abdicate them and turn them over to YouTube and everything else. We have got to be involved because there is a moral relativism that is sweeping across the landscape, and it is deceiving many, and it permeates every sphere that is influencing our children. And, and we know that that if you want to change society, you start with the children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Hitler is famous for his quote, Give me the child and I'll mold the man. Give me the child until he is seven. I care not who he is, who has him thereafter. Mm. And Lenin who said, give me four years to teach the children, and the seed I have sown will never be uprooted. That's terrifying when you think about it, uh, considering our children spend upwards of 40 hours per week under the influence of our public government-run schools. Mm -hmm. Now we read that the the Federalist, Federalist is reporting nine years into Common Core, our children are ready for today's world, are not ready for today's world. No, they are not. They are actually less prepared. ACT test scores are at a 20-year low. SAT test scores are down. But we know SAT test scores and ACT test scores are down for the past 56 years. And we know what happened 
56 years ago. That's right. Yeah. As we look back again, when let's just recap. If you missed the beginning of the program, we were just sharing, here's some of the dilemma that we face in the American education system right now that, you know, we can write a lot of curriculum. We can do our very best to try to raise up the next generation. But if we've removed the foundational piece that gives that instruction, then we, we're, we're falling short. We're going to fall short every time. We know in 1962, voluntary prayer was forbidden. Inclusion of scripture was terminated. Classes on, on religion were halted. The Bible was ordered out of school libraries. The Ten Commandment displays were removed. Re- religious artwork was covered. And religious content in student papers or speeches were forbidden. The Bible was ultimately forbidden to bring even into the classroom. So Mike, you hit on this. What happened as a result? We saw that SAT scores immediately started to plummet, and the American high school students regularly began to finish last or near the bottom in math and science testing. The U.S. now ranks 65th in the world in literacy when only a few decades ago, America had one of the highest literacy rates. Crime in schools and society have begun to escalate. Pregnancy rates, all all and such, are now escalating. I I mean, it's, it's... it's not a coincidence. I, I think when we look at the rapid decline in our school system, right after the foundation of the Bible with moral truth being removed, and then we recognize, you know, looking at, at the statistics thereafter, many will say, well, is this a correlation coefficient analysis? But the reality remains that our public school system is struggling. We can't deny that fact any longer. Yeah. And if we look at uh, Christian schools where they, where prayer and Bible study are allowed, these graduates have higher SAT and ACT test scores. We also know homeschooler scores are even higher. Christian schools also encourage or require parental involvement, but this is not important or stressed in our public schools. We know it's very important. We know that you and Brandy are very involved with your children in the public yeah. schools. And, uh, yeah, but it's not the norm. Yeah. The most common excuse is, I don't have time for this, but John, you put a priority on this, and your schedule is full. I know your schedule is full. <laughs> He's a senior pastor at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. This man's schedule is full. Yeah, yeah. And he <laughs> always has time for his kids. Huh. And and it's so important. So, but John, you do put that priority on this, and your schedule is full. How do you and Brandy handle this? Yeah, I, well, I think that when we're aware of what's going on in our world today, I mean, Mike, we were talking about this even before the broadcast, that you know, it's so easy to put the blame on the school system. It's easy to fault government for the issues in our culture. And certainly there are faults on all sides of this. The agendas are crippling. But the reality is when we go back to Jeremiah, we often see a call on the people that if the, because the hardness of the hearts of the people, because they're not prioritizing God above everything else, then they have wicked shepherds. So he says, if the hearts of the people turn back to him, then he will give them shepherds who honor him. So if we want to see change across the board in government, if we want to see change across the board in education, it begins with us. And right now we have an issue going on where we as the people are struggling to prioritize the things of God. We are too busy, too distracted. Uh, and I think that that's a combination of the availability of entertainment. We are talking about it, mm-hmm. that YouTube 
permeates the the brains of our children. They can watch whatever they want, when they want. They can get, you know, attracted to Tide Pod challenges or Momo things going on out there and this crazy stuff that most parents are oblivious to. And, And I even brought this up, Mike, before the program. I think it's important to address here that the agenda is real. The the pornography impact on our children is skyrocketing. Approximately 11 million American children ages 12 to 17 now visit porn sites every week, making children the largest group of porn consumers on the internet between the ages of 12 and 17. The average first-time viewers of pornography has now dropped to eight years of age. And then MTV goes on to say that young adults ages 15 to 17 are excited consumers and extremely impressionable. Now is the time to influence their choices. He then went on to say that we don't shoot for the 14-year-olds, we own them. And and that the food and beverage industry alone will spend $22 billion influencing the choices our children will make through programming that you'll find on Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network, amongst many others. So I, I think that what we're seeing here is that we as parents have a call before us of Proverbs 22.6 to raise up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. This isn't a promise that they won't make mistakes or even become a prodigal, but rather it's a promise that the words of truth cannot be removed from them, and that's why the words of God never return void, according to Isaiah 55.11, that they will always wrestle with it because you're modeling it. So if parents are involved, if parents care about the things of God and they see that truth modeled in the home, then it's a lot easier for that truth to stick in them because hypocrisy will crush the glue in your words, and we want it to stick so that they'll live it out. That's right. You know, if you're not paying attention to the games that your children are playing right now, Mm -hmm. just... Venture and watch them a little bit because your kids can go online and get all kinds of codes and stuff. And, and and they have these hidden things in these games where it just makes them disgusting. Right. I know. it. It's I... just disgusting. You know, one example would be Grand Theft Auto. If your child is playing Grand Theft Auto, take it and throw it away. Absolutely. Nothing good or redeeming of any values at all in that particular game. And this is quite popular throughout uh, pop culture with our children that the devil's very intentional. I I think we we can call it whatever we like, Mm -hmm. but he knows the ages, the imprint ages of our children. It's just like a duckling that when a a baby duck is born and, and it sees its mother, it will imprint, this becomes its mother, and it will follow the mother's direction. And likewise in our children, our children are looking to us to model the things of God, to prioritize, to prioritize prayer, to prioritize scripture reading. Again, we're not going to be able to change the American education system right here on the radio, but what we can Mm -hmm. do for those of you listening is to encourage you to be involved parents, to, to not bury your head in the sand, to be aware that the devil is intentional with his message to our children. In fact, Marilyn Manson went on record saying, if you don't teach your children, I will. And Marilyn Manson, for those parents who have no idea who that is, he is this hardcore gothic-type rocker uh, that his music seems to only glorify Satan in every capacity. And here he's saying that if you're not intentional, I am. 
And, and that should scare us to death, that and, we should be deliberate in raising up the next generation of, of, of faith-based warriors, uh, individuals of prayer. Yeah, if you don't know who this guy is, just do a quick search on Just read, just don't read a lot because it will disgust you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's brutal. And, you know, back to the video games, too, I think what we're addressing here is the fact that there is an agenda to to uh, corrupt the minds of our mm-hmm. young people. Yes. And it's infiltrating into the school system. They have even teachers that mean well are then dealing with this issue of they receive children into their classrooms who have no character education modeled in the home. Right. And then that's rubbing off on children as well. So, you know, here I have a, a home where my wife and I have deliberately sought to be intentional parents. And having been in a various school systems myself, I was in public school, I was in private and homeschool. And I think that that's what we're going to need to talk a little bit about next week, because yes. I know we're going to have a very special guest in the studio, Mandy Welch. Uh, this is an intentional mom who heard the very same things that we are talking about today, got concerned and wanted to do something about that. And so I'm going to be, uh, I know Mike, you and I are both really excited to have her on the program next week. So as you're listening today, I want you to take hope in the fact that there are alternatives. There are things that you can do, even as an intentional parent, where you're saying, I recognize all these problems and I want to do something about it. We want you to be equipped and encouraged. And so we've invited Mandy to join us on the program next week. So I want to encourage you, please tune in next week and get those resources, get equipped with what you can do as an intentional parent to influence your children because you're influencing the next generation. And so we want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. Mike, you always thank you for your, your oh. wonderful opinions on these subjects. Oh. And uh, I know we're, we're excited to have Mandy with us next week. So again, learn more about the ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley at calvaryfountain.com. Go to calvaryfountain.com. You'll find a number of helpful resources there, including information on various academies, uh, homeschooling groups, uh, among many other resources there. Services are at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Again, this is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship, Fountain Valley. We're so excited that you are tuning in. Come back, tune in again next week. God bless you.